You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Are you ready for it? Guys, I finally got Evie to sit down and chat about Taylor Swift for an hour. What? Gorgeous, gorgeous win. Okay, but in all seriousness, if you didn't know, Evie and I both went to the Eras Tour a few months ago, and I knew that taking a non-Swifty to the tour would probably be death by a thousand cuts, but instead it was actually very enchanted. Guys, after the show, we were both chatting about Taylor and how she's literally just quite literally the queen of marketing, creating hype and intrigue and cultivating a loyal fan base, as well as establishing holy ground everywhere she walks. And so naturally, I've been a fearless fan of hers forever and always. And while Evie thinks her music is nothing new, she also admits that we can learn a lot about this mad woman when it comes to marketing our businesses. So today is a fairy tale because in this episode, we're first having a little girl chat recap of the Eras Tour. And then we are diving into six ways that Taylor Swift kills the game as a marketing mastermind when it comes to her brand. Within each point, we're going to give you practical takeaways that we as business owners can learn from her. So even if you don't like her, stay tuned because there's lots to learn in this episode. All right, it's time to go. Let's shake it off. Photographers, I'm going to tell it to you straight today. One thing Lindsay and I have noticed over the years of coaching so many photographers is that many of us spend a majority of our time stuck behind a computer, editing, calling, delivering our photos, which can actually lead us to not focusing on the overall growth of our business or giving our clients an out-of-this-world experience. But the good news is that it does not have to be this way. Today, we want to introduce you to Post Partner. Unlike other photo editing companies, Post Partner is designed to partner with you for the long term as you grow your business. They pair you up with a dedicated editor committed to learning your unique style. You get direct access to your editor to build a collaborative relationship without having to manage a staff member in-house. So let's get you out of your editing cave so you can get back to growing your business and getting your life back. To get started with a free trial, go to postpartner.com forward slash heart and hustle. That's postpartner.com forward slash heart and hustle and use the code heart and hustle for $200 off your first order. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All right, I don't know if the world ever saw this day coming when I would be sitting down to discuss the genius of Taylor Swift. <laughs> like, guys, all I had to do was just get her to an Eras Tour concert, and then now we've just converted her. Not really, but kind no. of. <laughs> I've, no. I, hey, I have got her to sit down and admit Taylor's genius for freaking an hour. So I'm taking this as a massive win. Massive. I feel like I feel like I would have done this before the concert, though. Like I, I would have. 100% discussed this than her marketing genius like right. for, but for now, years. But now you've seen just the magic in front of your eyeballs. Sure. Yeah. And also <laughs> made a lot of people mad. So before the concert, uh, I, I took Evie and our friend Chelsea, who both are not Swifties. They don't... Well, I would say Evie doesn't necessarily like Taylor Swift. And Chelsea was completely neutral. Just like didn't like her, didn't not like her. Just was like, yeah, great. I just don't know much about her, but great. I'm willing to come. Um, and so I did a... I did a TikTok series or basically I, I put it on Instagram reels too, but I like pulled them on like 
lyrics, facts about Taylor, things like that. Um, and on TikTok specifically, TikTok is just like the wild, wild west of the internet. And you just never know who's going to get on there. And I <laughs> put it into four parts and part one went not, not viral necessarily, but it has like 300 K views, which is pretty big on TikTok for me. And, uh, there are some Swifties that are angry that <laughs> y- y'all came like half the comments are literally like, sell their tickets. They don't deserve to go. <laughs> oh my God. And then I there's think- like, there's the other half of the Swifties that are like, the, these comments did not pass the vibe check. Got everyone that's angry in these comments should go listen to Taylor's song, Mean. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I knew, I think we knew when we got those tickets that we would be upsetting some true Swifties. Well, who especially knowing how the process of acquiring the tickets went, it was like yeah. a, a ruthless situation. Yeah. Well, here, sure. let's just really recap. It was a great time. You had fun. Did oh, you? It, was so, it was so much fun. The The thing that makes me laugh the hardest though is I assumed that Evie would come or like wanted to come. And she, by the way, I did not bribe her in any way, shape or form. She <laughs> I wanted volunteered. to come on her own accord. Yes, on her own accord. And when we bought the tickets, she was always in mind to come. Like it wasn't like, oh, a last minute, like someone camp canceled. It was like, no, it was Evie all the time. Um, <laughs> but when we were prepping our outfits for the concert... I was like, Hey, Evie. Okay. What people are kind of doing for this tour is like, everyone's dressing in a different era since it's the era's tour. And so I gave, I literally texted her and Chelsea, like a whole entire deep dive and a visual like TikTok that I found of like the vibe of each era. And there's 10. So it was aggressive. It was like, my phone was blowing up that day. Yeah. (laughs) Apologies. Um, but And I kind of like, just like told Evie, I was like, Evie, I know that you don't like her that much. And I know you probably don't want to like try or whatever. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, you could just dress like in your own apparel and it'll look like the folklore or evermore vibe because you wear cottage core. And like, as much as you don't like those albums, they like you because (laughs) like that's your vibe. (laughs) And so I was like, you could just dress like that and you'll be fine. And she came back and she was like, actually, I want to go ham. She's like, if I'm going, I'm going. I told, well, I told Lindsay too, cause you know, she, had, she had invited me. She was like, Hey, I'm going to the Eras tour. I'm going to invite Chelsea. Do you want to come? This is kind of like our Florida girl gang. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. Cause we were going to have our husbands come with us and their, all their kids and like a full weekend away, like in Tampa going to this concert. And at that point, Lena and I thought we'd be living in Florida anyways. So I was like, yes, I will come. <laughs> so it was like less, less involved than actually what it ended up being, which is you having to drive literally from Ohio. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We had to take like a 14 hour drive and then another drive to Tampa. Anyways, I felt, um, I felt less bad though, because you got like house stuff done, right? Yes. Yeah. We I needed to be down bad. there around that time anyways. And it was, it was a fun little getaway and a break. Anyways, the point is when I said yes, I, I told Lindsay, or I guess Lindsay technically asked me, you were like, okay, but I cannot sit and enjoy Taylor Swift if you're going to be sitting beside me judging. So if you're going to come, I need you to be okay. I was like, I am not. I was like, this is my Super Bowl, Evie. I was like, I am not going. If I'm going to have a hater sitting beside me, just like, I can't deal with that energy. I want happiness. I want someone to support. So I told her, I was like, I totally get that. If I'm going to come, I will put all of my acting and theater year skills to use and I will become a Swifty for the night. And so when we were talking about like costumes, Lindsay was like, here, you can just half-ass it. And I was like, no, that's not half-assing it because (laughs) no, it's not. But it was the easiest option. Yes, it is the easiest option, but because it's, 
if you did it right, it would still be identifiably an era. So it wouldn't yeah. look, just wore your own clothing. It and was just like, it was just the easiest option where I did, wouldn't have to buy anything new. And like, it, I would just French braid your hair ever more right there. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, no, if I'm becoming a Swifty for the night, I'm becoming a Swifty. For she, the loves, night. she loves the drama. I love, I love, that's the, this is the one thing people were like, how did you have so much fun at the concert? I was like, it was so much fun. I'm not going to lie. I think my favorite part was like planning all of our outfits and then getting dressed together for like five hours that morning mm-hmm. and like hanging out, you helping me with my like eyeshadow and like Chelsea helping me with like cutting my wig. Like there's, there's a video, <laughs> there is a video that is my favorite video, maybe on the, ever on the internet. The only other one that's maybe more favorite is back when we did our Utah workshop and you were eating ice cream. If yep. any OGs follow this, yep. like I stealed her ice cream and we were cat. Anyway, so that sounds lame when I say it, but you have to just, you gotta be there. Anyway, there's a video of Chelsea cutting Evie's wig um, and Andrew, I don't know what possessed him, but like he has a vacuum cleaner, but he has like an extension on it. So he's like, he's like holding it like a gun, like a vacuum, like a Dyson vacuum from yeah. afar because it's like a five foot extension, <laughs> like, like vacuuming the fallen hair that Evie or that Chelsea was cutting off of her wig on like her chest. <laughs> like, it's the Wait, it, was, it was so good. Well, it was a team effort. Joe. It was a team effort. Anyways, that, yes, it was so much fun. If you you didn't see any of the footage, please go back onto either Evie or Mai's feed uh, to the the video because Evie dressed, I have to say this, she dressed up as Taylor Swift's Grammys like look from 2016 when she went for 1989 and one album of the year at 1989. And if anybody's a Swifty that's listening to this, you know exactly what that look was. It was like an <laughs> orange tube top with a hot pink like ball gown with heels. And she had the iconic like straight bangs with like chin length blonde bob. So Evie literally did that to a T. Like you did that outfit justice. There were some people at the concert that like tried to do that look. And by tried, I mean like they had an orange tank top and hot pink shorts. And I'm like, honey, no. (laughs) Hey, whatever works for them. You wear whatever you want. That's true. You do you, you be as comfortable as you want. But Evie like really did it. And so what the funniest thing is we were walking through the stadium to go to our seats and every single person they were looking at us and they were like, oh my gosh, I love your dress. And me and Chelsea just automatically knew not talking to us. They were not. <laughs> like, it was funny. The number of people who were like talking to me. And then at one point, one girl like calls out and she was like, oh my gosh, I love your outfit. And she's like, is that the Golden Globes or something? And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> and then I turned around and Lindsay looks at me and I go, oh, that's the wrong, that was the wrong award show, wasn't it? <laughs> and she goes, yes, it is the Grammys, Evie, get it right. <laughs> Or somebody else was like, Met Gala. And I was like, get it right, people. Grammys, 2016. <laughs> Anyways, it was fun. We had such a good time. I screamed the lyrics to every song that I knew. We got we got on Taylor Nation's stories, which yep. they only, for each night of the tour, they only story like probably like 10 people. So Lindsay, Lindsay was like freaking out. And I, I was, was like, what is out. Taylor Nation? <laughs> It's like her entity. Well, I know now, but I didn't know at the time. I don't even know how to describe it, but basically it, it, I could almost guess that she would watch Taylor Nation stories. Like I would imagine. Mm -hmm. So it's Taylor has seen our faces. Taylor has seen your hater face in a week. (laughs) Just like her. All right. It was fun. We had a great time, but let's get into why we're here. Yes. We're here. Yes. Cause we went to the concert, but mostly because she is a marketing queen hate her or love her. You have to admit that she is a marketing queen. And if you can't admit that, you will after we break it down. Um, Because there is a lot to discuss 
here. Yes. Um, this was so much fun to outline with Evie because she was like writing things down and I was like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also, I also, I will tell people I did so much work preparing for the Eras tour. I listened to the set list Spotify for like two months beforehand or like a month at least. And in searching for like my Eras tour outfit ideas and stuff, I somehow ended up getting on Swift Talk. So I was, I have been like inundated. It has been <laughs> Like, I forget how long since the concert and I am still trying to get off of Swift Talk because it's like, once you get in there, man, you are like a prisoner to those Taylor Swift videos. Are you just, are you just like getting like TikToks of the tour? No, I mean, I'm getting like TikToks of like everybody. Taylor, yeah. Every Taylor, the, the tour, like behind the scenes videos talking about they like, know, they know the you conspiracy can. of her breaking up or not like everything I'm getting everything. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she, guys, just, this is going to air like way after it's very obvious, but she recently, I, it, it came out that she deleted the explanation of the song Lavender Haze off of her Instagram. And that's like the song where she's obviously talking about her six year relationship. And so I feel like that is subtle confirmation. Sad day. Sad day. day. Anyways, anyways, with that being said, I've learned a lot more about Taylor Swift in the last two months than I probably knew ever before in my life. So I I was trying to contribute to this conversation. (laughs) Perfect. Well, let's get into it. So there's six points on kind of like what she does to have built such like a phenomenal brand um, and create such loyalty. And we're going to get into all of that. But I would say the first one is she has an incredible... She has throughout her entire career done an incredible job of having a rock solid personal brand through vulnerability. And obviously that vulnerability comes mostly through like her lyrics, obviously, but I would say like ways that she's very relatable and vulnerable, um, obviously her lyrics, but then also, uh, I think her brand overall, especially from the beginning and even still as she's even grown with fame has been like girl next door, very relatable. Like she shares about her cats, just like she's a casual millennial girl. She shares about being like a hometown girl from Pennsylvania who grew up on a farm. You know, she goes out with her girlfriend. She bakes like things like that. The average millennial woman can probably relate to. Mm -hmm. Um, she does a really good job of sharing things like that. Yeah. I think something that we wanted to talk about this, um, is while Taylor Swift does have such an intense personal brand, like intense by meaning like it's very much about her, her life, her story, her journey in a lot of ways, especially because of her songwriting and her lyrics. She still has strong boundaries around like she doesn't show up on Instagram stories or TikTok like day-to-day sharing like her day-to-day life. Um, Like a lot of other celebrities do. Yeah. And she tends to keep her relationships like really, really private, especially this last one with like Joe Alwyn. Um, you know his name. I'm so proud of you. Well, <laughs> I told you I really got stuck in Swift talk. <laughs> Anyways, um, I think that's something that we wanted to point out while there's still like, there is so much power. We've always said it. We believe so strongly in personal branding as a really powerful marketing avenue. But we also wanted to point out while Taylor does utilize that and harness that personal brand, like creating an image, like relatability, sharing aspects of her life, sharing a lot of raw, vulnerable stuff in her songs. She also has obvious boundaries as far as like her time, what she's willing to share, you know, willingness to like get into drama, talk to people about drama. Like she has boundaries still. So we wanted to point that out of like, Hey, you can still have a personal brand without you know, having your entire life exposed or without Mm -hmm. having unlimited boundaries as far as, you know, totally having everything bared. 
Well, and the last thing I'll say about the personal brand aspect of Taylor Swift is she does an incredible job, mostly I feel like on her tours, but obviously like in other aspects, but I think you, you feel it most on her tours is because they're stadium tours. They're huge. She has a way of talking to her fans as if you are the only person she's talking to. Like you both are sitting on the bed, eating popcorn at a sleepover. Like she has that way of connecting with her fans, like on a one-on-one level. It does not sound like when you go to her tour, it does not sound like she's talking to an, a, a massive stadium of 70,000 people. Um, and so that's kind of an overview of kind of like the personal brand of Taylor Swift. So like, how can we apply that to us as business owners? Like that's what we're here for. We're not here to just rave about Taylor Swift. Well, I am, but let's bring it. <laughs> let's bring it to relatable, uh, or like how we can actually apply this. So one of the first things that I can think of coming from that is create content in your brand and business that's relatable and self-aware. Like we said, Taylor does a really, really good job of being very self-aware. I mean, antihero is literally the most self-aware song ever, but, um, think of your brand and how can you create content content that's either relatable, funny, or self-aware. Um, and then another one, kind of, like I said, she talks to everyone, like, you know, there's only one person. How can we take that into our business? Think of every time that you show up on video for your business or your brand, whether that's an Instagram story, whether that's a reel, whether that's a video on your website or anything like that, instead of talking to your customers, like you're talking to hundreds of people or thousands, even maybe talk to them. Like there is one single person that you're talking to. Like we've said this before on the podcast, but a lot of times people that are especially like nervous about sharing just stories, like even something is like, you know, simple as that. Um, a lot of times what we'll say is, Hey, pretend that you're FaceTiming your best friend and just speak into the camera. Like you're talking to one person. Don't think about all the followers that might be seeing this. Cause then you're going to get in your head and psych yourself out. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good thing that I think we can learn from how she does that. Yeah. A specific example is to avoid using phrases like, Hey guys, or Hey all, or all of you were so helpful with, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. and use individual phrases like, Hey, I'm so excited about blank. Or, you know, you were so helpful with getting me options for coffee shops in this town I'm traveling to. Like you, Hey, you thank yeah. you. Like of eliminate the, the plural and just speak to the one person. It just feels a lot more personable. Um, something else I will say is when it comes to creating a personal brand for your business that we can like learn from Taylor Swift, like take a handful of things that you are willing to share that feel comfortable, that, you know, you feel good about exposing to the world, creating as part of like your brand images and just be vulnerable with them, share them. Um, if you want to share, you know, your journey as an entrepreneur and the ups and downs, the mistakes you've made, or maybe you just want to share like, you know, personal aspects of you love, I don't know, crochet as like a stress reliever for you. And so you kind of incorporate that into just who you are, your story, your personal brand, you're willing to share that aspect of your life. Like think of a few things, a handful of things that you can start incorporating that are just human, that make you, you, Mm -hmm. that are such a big part of your life and that you're willing to share that, you know, other people will either relate to as in like, oh my gosh, me too. Or they're going to just appreciate like, oh, that just makes you feel like a friend, like somebody that I know, like a human being, you know, Taylor Swift, I'm sure has many people who follow her who don't like cats, but they can still look at the fact that she is obsessed with her cats and, and be like, Oh, that just makes you so much more human. Like you're that woman who is literally a grandma obsessed Mm -hmm. with her cats, you know, like there's just that element. So think of a few things like that for yourself and begin to incorporate those into your brand. All right. Number two thing that Taylor Swift does amazingly is creating and rewarding 
brand or fan loyalty, whatever you want to call it. Basically loyalty overall. Um, I'm going to give a bunch of examples because uh, I am the fan and I'm deep diving here. Uh, and then Evie can maybe share how to apply that practically. Um, Taylor has done so much in this space for creating loyalty over the years. I'm going to name a few examples. Uh, she went like off the wall unhinged in this during the 1989 era, uh, when she specifically had Tumblr, she had Tumblr. And I think that was for the first time, this was before TikTok. So this was the first social media platform that kind of allowed her a very, very intimate uh, connection, like with her fans. So she was able to respond back to them immediately and like really see a lot of what fans were posting about her. Um, so this was like the era where she would literally like respond to people's messages, uh, like their Tumblr posts or whatever, but then she would go step further. And I remember this is again, the 1989 era. She sent a fan that was like, I can't remember exactly, but I think this fan needed money to go to college or was in debt or something like that. And so she sent her $1,989, 1989. Um, like as a, which again, like that's, she just sends, she sent a fan money is basically the moral mm-hmm. of that story. Uh, another time she invited a fan over to her house for Valentine's day to bake cookies. Like what? <laughs> I say that and like, what celebrity has ever done that? Like, not just like a, like a friend, like an actual fan that like loved her music that was obsessed with her. She like, just like brought her over. Um, and then during this era specifically, she would send Christmas gifts to fans. She would paint like paintings because Taylor loves painting, I guess. Uh, and she would send them like paintings with handwritten notes with like little trinkets or gifts or anything. And she would do this like for a couple hundred people but like she knew their name because she had stalked them online. And it's like, she doesn't have to do any of this. She's Taylor Swift, but she did. She went above and beyond and rewarded their loyalty for already being like such hardcore fans. And then now she doesn't do as much of like that personal intimate connection now. Um, but now she like engages with fan on social media via mostly TikTok. I feel like mostly she's liking and commenting on TikTok now. I feel mm-hmm. like TikTok is kind of she's left Tumblr. I'm pretty sure. But anyways, and then the last example that I want to share on creating loyalty is the secret sessions, uh, for 1989 and reputation. I can't remember if she did it for other albums, but I know for those two specifically, she hosted what were called secret sessions, which are listening parties at her home, like a couple of months before each album came out. And basically what she did was she scoured the internet to find diehard fans and personally invited them. Like she had her team personally invite them to her house and basically they probably had to sign NDAs. I'm sure <laughs> like leave their phones like in a room. I don't know what they had to do, but basically they got to sit there with her and listen to her album that had not come out yet, like all through together. Um, and she had to, she, I mean, yes, you don't have your phone. You have to sign an NDA, I'm sure. But like, you have to have a lot of trust of mm-hmm. those people to not go home and share any lyrics that they heard. Like, you're basically sharing how much trust you have in them by just letting them come into your house. Like it was her personal house. She baked freaking cookies for them. Like it was a very intimate thing. And like, that's one of the best examples I can think of, of creating and rewarding loyalty. It's like, Hey, I'm going to let you listen to this album before anyone ever has. And then I'm going to send you back home and trust that you're not going to share it or spoil it for the world until it comes out. I think that's also, it was, it was training the actions of super fans because people would know that she would be sending gifts or letters or like commenting on TikToks or, you know, you know, whatever she's encouraging and rewarding fan behavior by like, if people are really like posting about Taylor Swift, they might get a chance to have their TikTok liked by her, or they might get a chance to get invited to these secret sessions, which obviously I don't want to make it sound like Taylor's sole purpose was to be manipulative, but there is a psychological like 
she has encouraged like becoming a hardcore Swifty and sharing 100%. about it because even like with, with ticket master and the situation where you had to prove that you were a, a Swifty fan in order to get tickets, mm-hmm. like, which they were, I, they were doing that to try to avoid resellers. I, I think, yeah. um, but there's still, it's every step of this is rewarding people being true fans who are blasting and talking about Taylor all the time, which is marketing and hype that she's encouraging. That's right. just like one aspect. I thought of one more example that we didn't write down that she's not doing for the Eras tour, probably because the set list is literally three plus hours long. But for every tour that she's done before this, she would have her mom or Taylor Nation go through the crowd for each show and grab like 20 to 30 people. But they would grab people that were very dressed up, that were having the time of their life, that were having like such a great time that they knew would be like really great fans. And they would give them a little piece of paper that says, hey, meet in this section after the show. And they would go like basically behind the stage to meet Taylor. And like, there would be like rooms. It was like the rep room for the reputation tour, the tea party for the speak now tour, whatever. It was like little rooms where basically you, you got to meet Taylor because you were, and obviously the chances of it, you know, a stadium versus like 50 people, your odds are low, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, they picked people, yeah. They picked people that were dressed up in theme and having a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's another example of that. Something I want to point out too with with this aspect is not only does this create like a loyalty and then rewarding that loyalty within her fan base, everything pretty much that we just said also is humanizing Taylor, which goes back to the personal brand thing. So yeah. she's keeping that human aspect, that relatable, like I am still just a girl. Yes, I am famous. Yes, yes I'm, you know... Very it's wealthy. like we, we look at like, why would you invite a fan to your house for Valentine's day to bake cookies? But like, mm-hmm. if you're thinking, if she's thinking of herself as just like a girl, mm-hmm. that like met a friend on the internet, like yeah. any of us would probably do that. But it's yeah. like, we have this like weird thing about her. That's like, Oh, she's like higher than us. But I think when she does things like this, sending those Christmas gifts, having those secret sessions with people at her house, inviting a fan over to like bake cookies together, um, she's humanizing herself. She's like reinforcing that personal aspect of her brand that keeps her from feeling like this unknown, unreachable, untouchable entity. So how to apply that to our businesses, how to apply what Taylor does for creating and rewarding loyalty take a leaf from her book. Exactly. Have handwritten notes to customers or clients, whether that's, you know, thank you for purchasing or booking, or it's, you know, follow up after like a a product or a session. Um, like whatever that looks like handwritten notes go so far in creating like loyalty and that human touch. Um, sending gifts is also huge. So it's probably paired together in a lot of ways, but send extra gifts. If you're a product shop and somebody purchases, think about how often like, and what a blessing that is to us whenever we purchase something off of like Etsy and the seller like has a handwritten note in there and a little bonus gift of like something else that it just is extra. It goes above and beyond and like makes us loyal to them. Cause we're like, man, you really did so much. Lindsay, you want to throw in a couple? Yeah. 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 I think you could pick people at random to then receive free products or services. Cause I know like sending gifts, you could send a gift in every package or you could kind of up the gift and just randomly bless your people, especially if you know that they've bought from you multiple times or just in your community and are fans of you or your business. Like basically that's the exact same concept of what she did, but you know, you're doing it for your business. Um, I think a version of the secret sessions that we can apply to our business is to, well, I cannot talk, is to host a VIP program for your top customers. And sometimes that could look like an ambassador program or an affiliate or referral program. Um, or maybe it's random and you just choose, you know, people from your community that 
do you want to bless regardless of how you do it? Just kind of creating that concept and opening the doors for creatively thinking of how you can bless your customers. Uh, or even like if you're a brick and mortar, you could have customer appreciation day every quarter or something like that, where it's like, you know, the community comes in and they get like, if you have a donut shop or something, you get like a free donut or, you know, whatever it is. Um, just ways to bless the socks off of your people, I think is huge. Mm-hmm. I think with that too, you can have like hosting intimate VIP events or things, you know, having exclusive access to, if you are a brick and mortar or something, first access to tour the store and you have champagne for them and, you know, whatever, like something like that, or, um, you know, having first access to new online products or services because they, you know, have purchased from you in the past, just that creating events or creating programs that reward people who have worked with you or purchased from you in the past. Um, some other like tangible and practical is send personal videos and voice messages in response to DMs. Like incorporate that like one-on-one human touch connection that will make people think, wow, like you took the time. This isn't a copy and paste message or, you know, even sending videos to an initial inquiry, like film a video of yourself and throw it in your inquiry email, talking directly to that customer or that client. And, you know, answering some of their questions that they had or talking about their story that they shared with you or whatever it is, that human connection will go so far in creating that loyalty. And then on social media as well, like go follow Taylor and like what she does of engaging and commenting with your customers or your followers on social media showcase that you care about them. You care about their lives. You care about what's going on with them. Um, and you're not just expecting to be this like high and mighty person up on a high horse that they have to come and bow at your feet, you know, like that weird vibe, like be human, go and interact with them. And then the last one I would say is like sometimes something that you could take away is do a customer or client shout out, um, or a feature maybe on your blog or your Instagram or whatever platform that would best work for your business. Um, but that's just another way to take a specific client or past customer and just bless them. Especially if they've like written you a review, you could kind of pair that with their review or their experience at your store or with your product or your service or anything like that. All right. The next one, um, is probably one of the biggest things that you probably can think of when you think of Taylor Swift, which is to create mystery and intrigue around your brand. Yes. We are talking (laughs) about the Easter eggs. Oh, I'm so excited. So yeah, if you, uh, if you follow Taylor at all, you know, her music or you are a fan, you know, that, uh, girlfriend loves an Easter egg, loves a freaking Easter egg. Um, I think this started back in the day. This started the OG way. This started was in her album booklets back when streaming was not a thing. And physical CDs were a little bit more popular. Um, she would, you know how in every CD booklet, like it has every single song lyric written out. Mm -hmm. She would, they were like all of the song lyrics would be under or lowercase, but then in random places, she would have capital letters. And so for each song, if you like strung together all the capital letters, they would spell out like some, like a word that kind of gave you a little bit more insight to the story behind the song or, you know, whatever, like a little phrase that was just kind of like cute. And so that's how like the Easter egg thing began for her. Um, and then it just has spiraled from there. (laughs) Out of control. Um, (laughs) Out of control. And now I think she mostly puts them in music videos, but it's gone beyond that. Like people go, we call it in the Swift world, we call it Clownelia street. If we are just like pretending or like thinking that she's done something that probably is, she did it. And it's just a coincidence. Um, but she's trained her audience and her followers and her fans to just be psychotically watching everything that she does because everything could be a clue. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like li- right now, as we're, wouldn't it be fun if she, re- if she revealed, uh, probably not. I think this will air later this summer. And right now, what, what, what are we May 2nd right now? There's no re-record. Like the only re-recordings that have been out are red and fearless. And every single person on our think speak now is next. And like, I think she last toured in Atlanta this last weekend. And she literally just did a simple post that was like, thank you, Atlanta, whatever. And she ended it with a purple heart and everyone was like, oh my gosh, speak now is coming. (laughs) People are watching though. And I think that's something to like be said with why this is so huge for her is not only, you know, does it create all this buzz when she actually is doing something, but it keeps the attention and interest on her brand, even between big seemingly simple stuff like a post. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, you know, like, yeah, her just out hanging out, getting meals with friends. People are always like, oh my gosh, did you see she's talking to so-and-so? They're going to totally be in a collab together. Or like just stuff that it's like just random people get, like they are watching and it creates so much interest and intrigue. And I think it makes it really fun for, that's something that I think Taylor obviously loves doing is making everything that she's doing with like her Easter eggs and whatnot fun mm-hmm. as well as hype and buzzy. And it's like Swifties go hard, like Lizzie's saying yeah. on like their speculations and theories and whatnot. And it's, you can tell how much fun you guys are having with it, which is really yeah. cool to watch. A couple more examples of the Easter egg mystique intrigue, whatever you want to call it. Um, something that I noticed in this last, so when she launched or put out midnights last fall, she didn't release a lead single leading up to Midnight's. Um, and something like, again, in every step that she's doing, I think it's very calculated and very intentional in the sense of, I don't think she released a lead single because that was her first album after like the folklore and evermore ones, which was definitely a genre switch for her. So everyone was so curious what this new album would look like and feel not look like uh, sound like. Um, and I think, a huge part of the reason of not releasing a lead single was to, you know, create that buzz of like everyone is anticipating the album so that they'll go buy it and stream it when it comes out because they want to know what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you drip a single, obviously you, you hint a little bit at what the sound would be like. Um, and then something else I noticed is, um, this kind of goes to the next point. So I'll say this lightly, but she's really good at moving on with the times and, this is the first album drop that I noticed she used TikTok heavily. Um, instead of just dropping the whole track list for Midnight's like on an Instagram post like she might have in the past. Instead, she took all 13 tracks and dropped TikTok videos one by one that were, I think, Midnight Mayhem. It was like where she was like a creepy 70s person like deadpanning to the camera and picking up a phone and basically like saying the track title into a phone. If Again, you if you follow, this is not news. This is old news, but... <laughs> Whatever. The point being is that in order to do that, she like like strategically and craftily like said the um, track list one by one to draw out that hype and intrigue as her album got closer. Um, and then sometimes like she held the phone upside down. And so everyone was like, wait, that song's a single if it's upside down. No, that song's one with a music <laughs> video. Like there was so many, or that song has a featured artist on it. We were all wrong, I think, but I don't know. <laughs> she literally, it could have literally just been that she, that's the way she grabbed the phone. But that's the thing is like, even if she does something accidentally, she has trained everyone to like, always be like looking at her every move, which is what Evie kind of said yeah. earlier. Yeah. I can think of like a couple where when it came to like reputation or whatever, she totally wiped her Instagram of everything and then just put like the 
three videos or whatever of the snake or whatever that people were like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Like definitely creates hype and mystery and intrigue and interest. And then I know uh, from you, Lindsay, when she did, when she was releasing Midnight Sin, she just posts something that said, meet me at midnight. And well, so she, she announced it at the VMAs last year. Like she won album of the year, or not album of the year. She won video of the year, I think for all too well. And in her acceptance speech, she was like, I thought this would be a great time to tell you that tonight, uh, or I have a new album coming out and, and you'll learn more at midnight or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then that night, ironically, I was literally like just stalking her page as I do. Um, and I didn't know that the VMAs were that night and I didn't know she did that. And literally like I had refreshed the page and it went from like red Taylor's version to all of a sudden meet me at midnight. And I was like, mm-hmm. I am first on the scene guys, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it's stuff like that. Like she didn't just make a post and be like, I have an album coming out. Surprise. Like she yeah, no, utilized, she's above that. <laughs> she utilized like the VMAs and that announcement. I'm sure she probably had a plan B too. If she didn't win, you know, right of the year. Like she does things so intentionally to create that mystery, that intrigue, that tension, that excitement, that passion. So how to apply that to us as our business owners. I want to let Lindsay go off on this because this was a lot of her thinking, but we... (laughs) This is, I wanted to give you an us example. (laughs) Yeah. This is the one part of Taylor's marketing that I personally enjoy so much. Uh, and I've personally kind of forced Evie to bring this into the heart a little bit. Um, which I love (laughs) with, yeah, doing Easter eggs and creating like fun little games for you, our listeners and audience. And I think the best example that we did was last year when we led up to the ticket release of our Dallas conference this fall. Oh, was it Dallas? Yeah, it was Dallas. It was. You're like, no, <laughs> I thought it was Nashville. No girl. This was last. It, I know it's like all, it's like convoluting Life itself. Blend. I don't just blend. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but so leading up to Dallas, I was like, guys, we should do a scavenger hunt. Like, and, and not that Taylor's done a scavenger hunt, but just t- like taking the idea of like Easter eggs everywhere and like putting clues in things. I was like, how fun would it be if we made you, our audience guess like where the next conference would be. And we lead up with a bunch of like Easter eggs or clues, whatever you want to call them all over our feed, all over our website. And we kind of took people on a journey, which is very similar to what she does with like her music videos and putting clues and guessing what's coming next and things like that. Um, so that's a good example is like giving your audience a scavenger hunt when you drop or launch something new. Is your workflow for your clients all over the freaking place? Is stuff falling through the cracks and you feel so overwhelmed trying to stay on top of client communication? Don't worry, we have all been there. If that is you, you have to hear about the best investment we have ever made into our businesses. HoneyBook, a client relationship management software. It is an all-in-one project management tool that is designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. When I tell you it streamlines everything and gives me my life back, I am not kidding. Integrated inquiry forms, client workflow and automations, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. They also have templates, brand customization abilities, and an app so you can send invoices and emails while you're on the go. HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline everything for an excellent client experience directly from your fingertips. So you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can get back to living your life instead. We promise HoneyBook will revolutionize your business the way it has ours. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer for our podcast listeners, 35% off the first two years. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart, or you can check out the link in our show notes. 
If you're enjoying what you're getting in this podcast for free, then you're about to get your mind blown with what we offer in our educational courses. If you're ready to uplevel your business, serve your clients like never before, and reach revenue goals that you barely dared to dream of, then we're ready to help. Our courses are packed full of tools, formulas, strategies, and resources to help you kick freaking butt in biz. Whether you choose the photo major, a complete course for photographers, or the content photo minor, a mini course on how to finally slay your content photos for your blog, Insta, headshots, whatever, you will walk away with more knowledge than you ever thought possible. And here's the reality. We are here to see you succeed always and forever. And that is why we created each and every one of these courses. To check them out for yourself, read the reviews and look at each course syllabus, go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash courses. That's theheartuniversity.com forward slash courses. Yeah. And then another example, uh, Taylor Swift inspired was when we were bringing back the heart workshop this year, 2023. Uh, we decided to do like a cryptic, like tile, like one big photo split into a bunch of different tiles on our Instagram feed, on our Instagram feed that were all like broken up. And so it would be little chunks. And we had like, it was, we put it there for the purpose that you wouldn't be able to see the full picture until the last tile was posted. And even then they were scrambled. So we were having people screenshotting every tile as we'd post it and be like, pulling it together and piecing it together on like Canva or whatever, because we wanted it to be like a game and fun and get Mm -hmm. that interest and get people involved in doing so. And I feel like the, when she wiped her feed with reputation or even, I think she, when she launched, um, launched, when she announced folklore Nevermore, she did like the grid of nine where you take one photo and split it up into like a tiled Mm -hmm. like thing where it's like, it takes up your whole feed. We kind of use those as inspiration to do that. Um, but the, the point is that you're drawing intrigue and and enticing your audience with a game or something Mm -hmm. fun that they can enjoy. So how can we implement that? So our encouragement is to drip info or tease info before, rather than just sharing it all up front. Now there's obviously, there's some caveats to this. Be careful with doing this. If you do not have a strategic plan that is very like what we call, I don't know if this is actually a word. It might be gamify or like the gamification of what you're doing. So people are very tired of influencers, especially just with the age of social media, people just saying something's coming, which I am 100% guilty of this. Like (laughs) I have done this so many times in my brand. So I'm going to own up to that for sure. But it, people are tired of it. Like I'm tired of it. I'm tired of doing it. My audience is tired of me doing it. So I like, well, and I, I will say, I think there is some sort of advantageous, like for being upfront in, in some cases and being like, like just dropping it out of the blue and being like, boom, this is coming. Yes. Yeah. I like, think she did technically for, she's done that in the past, but specifically when we're talking about like Easter eggs and Mystique, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like making sure that whenever you're doing it, it's not just like, dragging your audience along and like, they're not down for it. It's like, you want to make it fun for your audience. Like when we did the conference scavenger hunt, correct me if I'm wrong. It was fun for me. I hope it was fun for you, but it seemed like, (laughs) like in our Facebook group for our conference, like everyone was having so much fun guessing and going on like the little clues and like guessing the riddles that we would leave. Like Mm -hmm. we gamified it so that it would be fun for you. And that's the point here is like, if you're doing anything like Easter eggy or anything like that, you want to make sure that you're making it like fun and exciting for your audience. Cause the entire point to get the sale or to like market well is to get the word out, make it fun so that people like join their friends. They like communicate, like they get 
what am I trying to say? Community together and it's Mm -hmm. fun and it builds community for people to do it together and all those things. Yeah. So the more you do this, the more customers expect this and are prepared and excited and analyzing like everything you're doing, AKA keeping eyes on your brand. And I think it's fun too, like Lindsay says, like to do sudden drops, um, which I feel like Midnight's was from Taylor, right? That was more of a Beyonce style drop of just like, bam, this is here. Really? I would, I would, the only time she's Beyonce style dropped it was Folklore and Evermore. Normally she'll like, I mean, you could say that like the bam is like, the announcement that the album is coming. But for Folklore and Evermore, she announced it the morning and the album was out that night, which is a Beyonce thing. Like that's gotcha. what Beyonce did. Gotcha. Anyways, the point is either way, you're encouraging people to stay attentive. That either it's going to be a game and like a clues and Easter eggs that they have to hunt for, or they just have to stay on their toes because you never know when something's going to drop. Either mm-hmm. way, make it fun, make it exciting. And the more you train your audience to do that, the more eyes you'll have on your brand and the more invested and involved they'll be because you're creating a personal brand that is very fun for them as the fan, consumer, client, you know, customer to engage with. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some tangible ideas for gamifying or, you know, teasing or whatever, some like actual practical examples. Um, one could easily just be discounts or free products for guessing the clue or the Easter egg correctly. So mm-hmm. we've done that definitely, especially with our scavenger hunt. Um, or you could launch VIP groups so that, you know, there's like a fun game for them or, or something, you know, like, like they, that. Like a, a launch VIP group would be people who they have to sign up. Maybe they go through a vetting process, depending like what you're doing, and they become the VIP people who know the secret, and then they help you either plan the the way you release it to the public, or they are like your ambassador team that will mm-hmm. blast it to the public when you launch it. So creating Which- that like inside a persona, like feeling of like right. I'm a VIP, I know before anyone else, and I get to help share this with the world which I feel like that almost goes back to the secret sessions Mm -hmm. and like same concept of like making people feel special, Mm -hmm. but also gamifying it at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) All right. The next one would be crossword puzzles or hidden clues within an unrelated caption. Those are just a couple ideas. Um, And then an example from our conference is we sent people during our scavenger hunt to our website uh, to scour, which ironically, there was like mistakes on our website that people were like, um, is that the clue? No, that was just a typo. Um, <laughs> Thank you for pointing it out. We'll fix it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's a great way to like get people hyped, but also like get people on your website and they might browse past like a thing that they didn't know you did. And it's like, oh, that's awesome. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a fun like platform to use your website to have yeah. people like come over kind of like a treasure map. Yes. All right. Let's move on to number four. This one is a big one. So Taylor uses storytelling like nobody's business in her brand. Her songs are so full of stories and, you know, emotions and lyrics. She really is intentional, I think, from like both also sharing her personal story, but also knowing that her lyrics are coming from a personal place that will also help validate feelings that people have or will have or have had in the past. You know, like she clearly also, something I want to know, has put work and effort into knowing her ideal like fan or listener, customer, and creating marketing products, aka her songs, that she knows that they'll like. Like she mm-hmm. is not oblivious and just creating music that she loves, which there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, an artist that is your entire life and career and passion and art should love what you're creating too. But Mm -hmm. she clearly also cares about how it's impacting and or like touching her customers as well. So she knows who she's talking to and what they want. 
Yeah. Well, thinking of like, she doesn't do this as much now, probably because she's so famous, she doesn't need to. But it's like all around her career. Oh, I guess she's done it a little bit even still, but all around her career, she is either released like behind the scenes footage of the song creating process. I know she did that a lot with reputation, like her videos of her in the studio, like kind of coming up with the lyrics to show you an in behind, like a behind the scenes process of the story behind it or coming up with the lyrics. Um, for midnights, she dropped like videos kind of explaining kind of more of the lead singles of the like, thought process behind the songs and the story behind the songs. Um, and she's done that a lot throughout the years. And even like behind the scenes clips of her music videos, like help tell the story and make it more of a fun connecting point for her listeners. Um, and then also like she'll put Easter eggs into those specific things too, especially music videos. So it's like, it's all, it's all there. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say she's just so good at storytelling, especially like Evie said, with autobiographical storytelling of like most of her songs are about her life and people know it. And so I feel like in, in a way, I don't know if she's intentionally, she probably has, but like, there's this like thing where, you know, I don't think she, she says it's like all up to her of like what the songs are about. She never reveals exactly what the songs are about, but it's almost become a game in a sense of like trying to figure out the story behind the song and therefore sometimes who the song is about. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, while like sometimes like that can get annoying, especially when it's like, everyone just guessing what song like or what guy each song is about it's it's still attributing to the story like she holds it close and she'll give you enough information about the story but like still hold some back to create that mystery and intrigue while mm -hmm. still telling the story um and then she even for folklore and evermore went and like expanded and it was no longer autobiographical but she still told stories in her songs mm -hmm. um about other people or other made up characters or made up storylines or things like that um and so in general, she's just a master at storytelling. And even the reputation feed wipe that we talked about earlier, that was taking the narrative, uh, like uh, obviously the entire reputation album theme, at least like the vibe is a reaction to the Kanye West, you know, downfall of Taylor Swift, if you will. Um, and so it it's, she's taking that story and, you know, turning the narrative and spinning it and saying, Hey, this is like kind of my rebirth into the world of music. And as a, as a public figure, it's her comeback. It's her, comeback story, if you will. And so like, she's just a very, very master storyteller, not only in her lyrics and in her music, but I think in her public persona as well. Like her brand, she knows yeah. how to market her brand in a way that is storytelling. So well, even, even every time she changes like her era, she changes her hair and her vibe and her style mm -hmm. to go with that vibe of the album, which mm -hmm. like helps tell the story of the album, even in her life. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how to apply that to our businesses. What Taylor Swift does, guys, we're going to be real with you. What Taylor Swift does is she utilizes the story brand framework that obviously she probably has I mean, no I idea what it she, is, but I don't know if she knows who Donna Miller is. I don't know if she's read story brand, but she does it regardless. Like what, from an outside perspective, we can clearly see every principle that Donald Miller teaches in his story brand framework is applied by Taylor. Like she's doing those, whether she has any idea of it, what it is or not. So do that for yourself in your business. And what that essentially is, is understanding your customer's pain points, their goals, how you can serve, you know, what they're wanting, what their hesitations are, where they're at in life, you know, all of those things. So go listen. If you have not already, go listen to episode 238 of this podcast where Donald Miller himself came on and shared about StoryBrand. And then go read the book, Building a Story Brand 
by Donald Miller and complete the story brand framework, like the worksheets that come with that book, that is going to give you so much clarity. It is going to revolutionize your business. This is the number one marketing principle, marketing book, marketing, you know, foundational method that every entrepreneur needs to be implementing in their business. So do it now. It will absolutely revolutionize your marketing and your way of storytelling throughout your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's positioning your customer as the hero and your product or service as the helper that's going to get them to where they want to go, which Taylor does that perfectly. So for your business, think about some questions like this. Why did you create your business and or product? Or sorry, I can't talk. Why did you create your business or a product or service in in the first place? How could you tell a story around the heart behind your business's entity in the first place? Or how does your product or service impact people's lives? Think about why you do what you do and how it impacts people. And how can you tell a story around that? How could you tie your product or service to an emotional desire? An example for that could be for photographers. um, Let's say like a wedding photographer. How could you tell a story of maybe, you know, long in the future when your clients are old and gray and they have grandkids on their knees and they're looking at you're, you're showing your wedding album to your grandkids and they're flipping through and they're looking at the legacy of their love story and the day that it started. Like, how can you use like imagery and, and a connection like that to put forth into either video or language or copy on your website in your marketing for your wedding photography? An example of something else that like I could think of that maybe isn't as obviously emotional. Cause like, I don't care what you sell, what your service is, you can tie it to an emotional situation somehow. Um, Um, A good example of this that I've had like past coaches or past coaching students of mine, like uh, they make clay earrings and they're like, okay, I understand I'm supposed to like, you know, attach emotion to this, but like, that's, it's frivolous. Like, like how can I tell a story about an earring? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, no one needs an earring or like, it, it just seems like simple and meaningless, but I would beg the question of saying like, what if your earrings are the thing that makes like somebody feel beautiful for the first time in their life? Or, you know, maybe they're a disheveled mom that's just got out of postpartum. I feel like I'm talking to myself here because that's where I am right now. (laughs) Um, And every time she puts on earrings, like that just makes her feel done up. Like earrings and mascara is just like the little touch of things that she needs to go out and feel beautiful and feel confident in herself. And your earrings do that. So like, I don't care whatever you sell, you can attach it to an emotional element of life and market like that story to people in your images and your videos and in your copy. Yes. Amen. Okay. Number five, Taylor Swift knows how to pivot well. So, yeah, she does. <laughs> so this one we're going to talk about. Taylor has, what is so interesting too, that woman has reinvented herself so much over the years in order to like stay relevant and stay top buzz, like a top artist going in the music industry. Like it's crazy how much, not only her musical genre, but just herself as a person, like going from like country cute girl next door to like bad girl reputation, like don't care about any to like folklore to like, it's just crazy. Like what she has done and the the changes she's gone through, she knows how to keep herself relevant, how to pivot with what her audience wants, how to keep things new, fresh and interesting. And she's not like so tightly gripped to, I don't know, just her brand image or 
certain genres of music or anything like that, that she's not willing to recognize that she needs to continue to evolve and change and try new things in order to stay like super top in Mm -hmm. the music industry right now. So that's a huge thing we can look at. Well, and I feel like I I said this earlier, but the fact that she has a new vibe for every album, it's like she's constantly reinventing herself in the way that like it's always fresh and it's Mm -hmm. always exciting and it's always new versus having like the same haircut and the same style and the same brand or like visual vibe for every single album, which I could think of many artists in the past that like every single album that they have is a very similar vibe. And it's like, you can't really distinguish between them. Um, and for Taylor, it's like every single one has like a color that people associate it with it. They have, you know, for her specifically a haircut and a style that kind of follows every single one. And so she, she does reinvent herself, but I would almost even say as technology has changed, she's done a really good job of kind of rolling with the new technology as like, you know, we've rolled out of the times where physical CDs were the way that people listen to music and now streaming is a thing. She's definitely found a way to evolve and and figure out ways that, you know, to get people on social media to use, you know, TikTok sounds for her songs. Um, she's done a really good job with that. An example that I can think of is when she first put out the re-release or the re-records for the first time, Fearless was the first one. She understood that Fearless is like a 12-year-old album. So if you grew up when Fearless was put out the first time, like you were in high school and now you're probably 30. And there's a whole new generation of Gen Z people that are in high school that those songs could apply to, but they, you know, weren't alive or were like infants when Fearless came out the first time. Um, And so something that I noticed that she did when the Fearless re-recording came out, she strategically sent Olivia Rodrigo and Conan Gray, like the her version of you belong with me before it came out and they made a TikTok dance to it. And those two are obviously like huge artists, especially in the Gen Z generation, um, right now. And so it's, she strategically positioned her music to ears and audiences that might not have heard it the first time it came out, even though it's an old song, a lot of people, like a lot of people were talking when fearless came out of like being obsessed with you along with me thinking that that was the first time that that song had ever come out. And it's just cute. (laughs) Yes. That's hilarious. Like, but it's it's like people that were infants when it actually came out. And like mm-hmm. now they're like maybe 12 or maybe not 12, but like maybe like they're 14 yeah. and they love Olivia Rodrigo. And yeah. so they saw her, her story dancing to it and they're like, whoa, what? But I feel like, like Taylor's like such a famous, like everyone knows Taylor, like Gen Z is obsessed with Taylor. So you would think that they would know her old discography, but maybe not. Anyways, maybe not. <laughs> something with that, that Lindsay pointed out, like not only did she, you know, was she like, how can I get this song to famous TikTok stars. She started using TikTok. She was using Tumblr when that was the rage. She's, you know, mm-hmm. utilized Tumblr, Instagram, TikTok, like realizing where she needs to pivot. She didn't just stay on Tumblr and that's the only place you can find Taylor. Like, no, she she knows where to go and how to adjust. And then something else, not only recognizing like, oh yeah, the times are changing. Let me pivot with those. But also something Lindsay and I were talking about when we were outlining is when things have been thrown at her, like unexpected, like for example, when her track list, like we were talking about the Midnight's Mayhem and how she was doing those TikToks of like one by one announcing the track names or like the numbers or whatever, when it would appear that her track list got leaked and she then seemed like she had to change her plans instead of continuing one by one to release them, she just dropped them all. Dropped them all. All the rest of like- think I think she got to like uh, track six- like, like posting them every, I don't know what her, I think it was every other night, but I don't think it was, 
I don't know what her schedule was, but basically she got to track six and literally from then on, she just dropped the rest of them from like six to 13. And everyone was like, wait, what the heck? But I think it was because the midnight's track list got leaked. Yeah. So instead of continue, like if everyone knows the track list because it got leaked, then there's no point of her like every other day posting one video of like revealing like super mysteriously the track list when everyone knows it. So she... I think when she did that though, she was like, let's mayhem till morning. And it, she pulled it in a way that made it look like that was always the intention. Yeah. Which and really she was at. in charge. I think that's something else too, is she, she's very good at pivoting when things are thrown against her to yeah. make herself come back on top. I'm even thinking right now of like the whole situation with like Kanye and she like pivoted mm-hmm. with the reputation album of like, okay, I'm going to turn this, like I'm going to create even more hype and interest in myself and my brand by making myself come out on top by like pulling this like hard, like bad A, like like, that will be my next era. So just knowing that like, sometimes you also have to pivot with like the punches that are thrown at you and be willing to like be flexible to roll with the punches. I think there's one more example, Lindsay, that you had about tracks or something. Sorry, I got down my head. I was just thinking like, she's like living her best life right now. And when Midnight's came out, like everyone thinks karma is about Kanye or at least a part of it is. I was just thinking about like the retrospect of like how Taylor's like living her best life and everyone loves her and Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, at least especially last fall with Balenciaga. And there was like a lot that I was just like, oh, they are not living their best life right now. (laughs) They're falling apart and Taylor's just like, la-di-da. Yeah, literally. Okay, yeah, the last... Uh, example I had was uh, I think earlier this year in February, two unreleased tracks from the Lover album got leaked. I think one of them was All the Girls You Loved Before. I think that's what it's called. And Need. I don't know why she didn't... Well, whatever. Basically, the night before her Eras Tour started, she released publicly All the Girls You Loved Before from Lover and then two re-recordings that didn't really fit on albums. And so people were like, wait, what? Like that, that, those are like three super random songs. And I still don't understand quite at this moment, moment in time, why she released the random re-recordings, uh, unless she's gearing up for speak. Now that's the only solution I have. But the, the fact that she released the unrecorded or unreleased song from lover because it got leaked. I think that was her just being like, Hey, it's people are already listening to it. I might as well like pretend that it was like a gift to at least I'm just reading into this. I could be totally wrong, but it seems like she's trying to take the narrative back of saying like, Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm going to release this into the world and make it seem like this was always going to be intentional as a gift before I went on tour. Mm -hmm. That's my thought. Yes. Okay. So how can we apply her skill of pivoting well to our businesses? We kind of mentioned it, but technology changes all the time. And as entrepreneurs, we have to learn to roll with the changes and adjust to the new markets, to the new economies, to the new technology, like what is is throwing at us. And as your company grows, how can you pay attention to staying relevant and fresh with your ideal customers? So for example, if you are, you know, have a product or service that would really speak to the slightly younger generation, maybe like Gen Z and younger millennials, you might want to have your business on TikTok or you might want to consider like hopping on that technology trend. Um, And I think that's just being willing. While you want to be willing to be flexible to adjust with the changes, there's also an element that I want to say like, be careful too to not jump on every new trend when it's fresh. Like I am thinking of 
Clubhouse when it came out, I felt so much pressure to get on Clubhouse, especially as an educator and a speaker. And I prayed into it. I thought about it. And I was like, you know what? This is like popping off right now. But I just don't have the bandwidth. I do not have the bandwidth to jump on Clubhouse. It sounds so stressful to me to have to manage one more thing. I'm not going to do it. I created an account and that was as far as I ever went. I was like, nope, I'm not going to do it. Thank God I didn't waste all that time and energy because Clubhouse, where has that gone? Like totally. (laughs) Until this exact moment when you just said the name Clubhouse, I literally forgot that it was a thing. And I was like, wow. (laughs) What happened to that? Yeah. So, and that's I don't, how I'm, that's how I'm feeling right now about the, what I was going to Yep. I'm I was like, literally going to bring it up. <laughs> I'm like, I see you and I don't like you until you, I don't know. I'm not a new adapter. <laughs> yeah. I don't, and I, that's not to say like, don't jump on trends. If you feel that urge, like clearly, you know, TikTok was something that could have totally botched, but it completely took off. And Lemonade right now, like for all we know at the time of recording, TikTok truly could be totally banned in the US. <laughs> we we best <laughs> record so far in advance. Watch us be like absolute fools by the time this comes out. <laughs> well, like, that's, that's a point. Like Lemonade was created because of the potential threat of a TikTok ban. So for all we know, if TikTok is banned, maybe Lemonade actually does become the new trending social media account. We don't know. So I'm not trying to say like, don't jump on new trends, but I'm also not trying to say jump on every new trend. You know what I mean? Like we only have certain capacity and certain bandwidth as business owners, especially those of us trying to have balance. So just be willing to be flexible. Don't be so stuck in your ways and like refusing to adjust or update or try any new things that you end up getting left in history. Yeah. Something else that uh, would be a takeaway for this point is to surround yourself with community who can help you identify market shifts and give outside perspective to your brand, whether that's fellow entrepreneurs that are in your industry or outside of your industry, or just friends that could give insight into kind of what you're going through or just, you know, life as it changes. Um, You could also stay up to date with researching the market and trends. And you can do this by reading books, listening to podcasts, reading articles and doing research before new product launches or offers or things like that. One last thing I want to say on this is not only, you know, has Taylor stayed relevant and like pivoted as the years have occurred, you know, she's been in the music industry for like 18 years or whatever. So she's had a lot of time, but those specific examples of like when things went wrong, when things were thrown at her, she, you know, we don't know behind the scenes, but from the the outside perspective, she didn't panic or freak out or like go blast on social media. Like, how dare you leak this after all I've done for you? Like, I can't believe you would betray me like this. This is just wrong. Like, no, she just calmly assessed the situation, like looked at the facts, looked at her options and then pivoted accordingly, you know, by, um, like doing the mayhem till morning and like releasing the, all the rest of the track lists in one dump or, you know, whatever. It's like, do not, I think it's very easy as business owners, not only like outside of the market shifting, let's just talk about the situations where we have to pivot something in our business because we are so involved and invested in our business. It's very easy for it to become very emotional. And when something goes wrong or doesn't go according to plan, it's very easy for us to panic, to freak out, to like, be like, I quit. I want to hide, you know, how dare this person or like what? It's very easy to have an emotional and volatile reaction. But what we want to encourage is don't do that. (laughs) Stay calm. You can feel all the feelings, but when it comes to actually taking action in your business and doing something, like maybe you need to go vent, have a cry, rant session to your best friend. Like that's fine. But when it comes to actually taking action, calmly assess, look at your options, look at the facts and be willing to pivot and make a different plan. Mm. All right. Last point. 
how to strategically increase sales. Taylor is a master freaking woman at this, a mastermind. Okay. Something that I noticed, example number one was we went to the Eras tour. We already said that. Uh, the night that we were like leaving the tour, like walking out of the stadium. So it, it ends at like 11 or whatever. Chelsea is the one that bought our tickets. And so she, I don't know, she got a notification from her email and Taylor Nation had emailed us with a 15% off discount code. Like the second that the tour ended, um, and it only lasted 24 hours. So it, whether or not you bought merch at the show or whatever, it is basically saying like, Oh, Hey, you loved that. You want more like, mm-hmm. Hey, you bought that shirt at the tour, but you were eyeing that other thing. Here's the 10% it's or like 15% while, off. It's like, while your emotions are high, while you're riding that like concert high uh-huh. and that excitement and a passion and like, I went to the Eros tour. It's like, all right, now let's get you to buy something else. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then I don't know how, because Chelsea was the one that bought the tickets, but somehow like she forwarded me that code because I genuinely wanted to buy merch and I didn't want to hit the lines at the show. Um, so I was like, Oh, Hey, that, yep. I want that. Um, but then the next day I was on Instagram and Facebook and I got retargeting ads for, uh, another discount code that lasted 24 hours. So I think they did a couple versions of it, like the few days following your show. Mm -hmm. Um, and if anybody else went to the show, let me know if this happened to you where like your show ended and then you like saw basically a 15% off ad for merch after the show, because that definitely happened. And I was like, Oh, that's so strategic. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that she has been known for doing this, she did this a lot when streaming wasn't as much a thing and you physically had to go to the store to buy a CD. And that's what, you know, increased album sales. She would put out a CD. Um, she did this a lot with the 1989 release, which before midnights, that was her biggest album ever. Um, and she would put out the album and, have like six different variations so that if you went to the store and bought a CD, you would have one variation of like Polaroids or posters in the album booklet. And then I think with Lover, with Reputation, I think she did magazines. And with Lover, she did journal entries so that every time you went to the store to get them, it would be a different journal entry or a different magazine. And you could not get those if you streamed it online. Obviously, that's when, you know, streaming kind of became more of a thing. And you also couldn't buy any of those like posters or Polaroids or journals or magazines or anything like that on her store. Like you would have to buy a physical copy of the CD. And she's done this a lot with Target where if you buy the Target, like the physical CD at Target, there'll be additional bonuses. For 1989, she had recordings of like demos of her in the studio, like kind of recording the song for the first time or her talking about the process of it. Um, And then for Midnight's, she has one song called Hits Different on the Target CD. And she has never, at least at the time of this recording, never, it came out last October. She has never put that song on Spotify. So the only way you can hear that song is if you go to Target physically and buy the CD. And what she's doing by that is basically ensuring that like, if you are a super fan, you're going to go to the store and you're going to buy multiple CDs, even like, which sounds stupid. Like, why would you need multiple? That's like a one-time purchase. She's now made something that should be a one-time purchase for somebody And she's got diehard bands to basically buy six of the same CD so that they can have all the Polaroids or all the journal entries or whatever. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, she's upping her album sales. So she's strategically thinking of ways to increase her sales. The last example I'll say is when Midnight's came out, I think for the first time in history, I'm going to say this wrong, I think, but 10 of her songs on Midnight's were in the top 10 of the Billboard chart. Like no other artist was on it, which I think had never happened before. I'm pretty sure. But I think two of them were about to fall off or hadn't gone on that yet. And they're 
I can't remember exactly, but it was Bejeweled and Question. And those were the two songs that weren't uh, like about to not make it. And if they didn't make it, she wouldn't make history with, with that. And so what she did, like, it's not like she said this, but she released on her store on like taylorswift.com, like digital singles that you could just buy the song question or just buy the song bejeweled, which it's like, you can literally just listen to them for free on Spotify or, or, you know, (laughs) wherever, but like she did that so that people would buy those and then it would up those two songs specifically to be in the top 10 to one, obviously make her more sales, but then also to like have the, the clout, I guess of saying like, Hey, I'm the only artist in history to have all 10 of my songs in the top 10 billboard chart or whatever. I'm probably saying that wrong, but that's basically what happened. Mm -hmm. So she just is very strategic at creating a lot more sales and a lot more success for herself by the things that she does strategically. I said, yeah, Yeah. anyways, you can. (laughs) So how can we apply that to our business? Uh, One tangible thing you can do is adding upsells to your business, whether that's email sequences that go out after somebody has purchased or booked or something, getting, you know, offering them something else that they would probably like or at checkout or, you know, in their car or something, having, you know, add on like, are you, do you want to add this? Like adding a new product that's relevant to the one that they're purchasing or based on what they looked at on your website, there are plugins for your website where you can do things like that. Um, specific example for photographers, after uh, you deliver a gallery for your clients, having like a print sale sequence or something where people can purchase either prints or a discount on a future session, basically encouraging like, now that you've seen the full experience and love this, let's get you to book again. Um, for products, like with the shipment or the delivery of the product, give a discount code or send an email. Or as they head to like the checkout, have more upsells of items. Like, are you sure you don't want to see this? So keeping in mind, like upsells are huge in your business, especially if you want to scale it. And if you have multiple products or services. Something else that you can take away from kind of everything that I just shared that she did was retargeting ads. So, I mean, if, if anybody has been on your site and, or especially if they put something into cart, um, you could either retarget them with an ad and you could even like be on the nose about it and be like, Hey, you left something in your cart. Like you can literally say that on the ad, you know, you can get as, <laughs> as fun with it as you want. Um, you could also do abandoned cart emails. Obviously a lot of shops do this and like Shopify or different, you know, shop plugins, platforms, yeah, plugins, um, do this automatically where if somebody puts something in their cart and then leaves, they'll send an email for that. Um, but something else is with your product or service, create variation or incentives for them to repeat by very similar to how Taylor does this with CDs with specific things inside. You, you can obviously do this if you are selling something that is a one-time purchase in the sense that like, usually you're selling something that people don't buy twice, like a CD, you know, they, shouldn't need to buy the same CD twice. Um, if your product or service is like that, then how can you create a way to put something in it that is incentivizing people to buy it multiple times or um, encouraging to buy one for you or, or sorry, one for them and then one for a friend, like a, you know, a buddy discount or something like that, where it's like buy one, get one free, things like that. Um, or you could repackage similar offers to fit different needs or encourage repeat purchases. So an example for this could be a brand photographer. For example, like you could have a package that one of them or one of your packages is just, uh, Hey, just as a one-time session or almost like a subscription where every month you give brand session photos to your client, if they are a business owner or whatever, Mm -hmm. or like for a product, you could offer subscription offers or bundle deals, basically ways to take one product and kind of make multiple versions of it, 
kind of similar to how Taylor does with her CDs. Yes. Okay. Deep breath. That is everything. So let's go through and recap really quickly. Number one, one of the marketing strategies that Miss Tay-Tay nails is personal branding and creating vulnerability within her brand. The second is creating and rewarding loyalty within her audience. The third one is creating mystery and intrigue around her brand. The fourth one is storytelling galore. The fifth is pivoting well. And the final sixth is strategically increasing sales. So hopefully in this episode, the the breakdown of what we see Taylor doing really well and really strategically in her marketing has also sparked some ideas, some inspiration, and hopefully some strong takeaways for you to begin to implement in your brand. Yes. So even if you hate her, you got, hopefully, well, if you're listening to this, you got to the end. So rock on you. Hopefully we gave you a lot to mull about. And guys, I got... Evie, to talk about Taylor Swift for an hour, go me. <laughs> this is your victory day, isn't it? It is. Also, any of our listeners that are Swifties, you're welcome for this episode. This is like education meets Taylor Swift deep, Taylor Swift deep dive. Like we are here for it. Okay. All right. All right, friends. We love you so much. And we will uh, see you on the next episode.